I won't keep you for too long. Just want to get into the new album and the show. And first, want to start with by uh, firing up the DeLorean and go back in time for a few, if you don't mind. Oh uh, yeah, we got to hit 88 miles an hour, though. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. It, it's been a long time coming. Actually, three years in the making for me to get to talk to you. I was uh, <laughs> I was on my way to the observatory back on March 13th of 2020 for the kickoff of the Meta X tour. Oh, when yeah. the whole world shut down. <laughs> the greatest tour that never happened. Exactly, exactly. So uh wanted to go back to the, rewind to that place in time. Uh, I know finding out that day and being crushed, but take me back. Where were you? Were you guys already in Orange County at that point by the time oh, the show got so canceled? We had just played 28 days in Europe, flew back the week before. So we were in we were in Europe for February of 2020. The only date that we even missed was in Italy, where ground zero of COVID was in Milan. And we were like, oh, that's a bummer. Uh, didn't really think that much about it. I sort of... a you know, make it akin to the idea that it's like we were skiing down a mountain. There was an avalanche behind us. We had no idea there was an avalanche. <laughs> That's how fast we were going. So we come back. We're excited to kick off this tour. I had the bus, everything ready to go. The lighting package, the crew, all the merch. And, uh, you know, this is the very, the middle of March. My birthday's on March 17th. I'm like, uh, oh, we're going to celebrate my birthday on tour. This is going to be <laughs> awesome. And then everyone's like, man, are you guys going to go out? We're not sure, like, how serious this is. I was like, no, we're going out. And then I'll never forget the canary in the coal mine was the NBA season was canceled. And I go, well, I don't think they just cancel entire seasons of the NBA. Maybe this is more serious than everyone thought. And lo and behold, we get the call from our management and Live Nation that the tour is shut down. Everything is canceled to further notice. And that's when I was like, uh, okay, what do we do now? <laughs> um, which is funny because that leads us into the idea of, I guess we write another record um, because it didn't seem like we wanted to sit around and, and, and just hope and, and wait for things to turn normal because it didn't seem like there was much light at the end of the tunnel during that moment. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. How quickly did you give yourself a little bit of a vacation coming out home from Europe? Were you like, no music for a month and then we'll get to it? Or was it like, no, nah, I want to keep the wheels turning right away? I mean, I didn't have, I did not want to write another record. We just put out a record. <laughs> we finished a record. We were put out in 2019 and the idea of like being on album, you know, touring cycle. And, you know, sometimes I think that writing an album is a lot of work, but the fruits of your labor are touring it. So yeah. I was very excited to tour the record and, um, you know, in, in a great headspace about that. And uh, the idea of going, no, you got to write another record. I was like, what the hell do I even write a record about? I just wrote a record. And it felt like the things I talked about in Metawar were like coming to pass in that time. So I didn't really have, you know, the brain in my head of like, oh, I have all these ideas and all this like stuff to say. I felt like I just said it all. Um, so I think in terms of our, our, our duration of time to actually write a record, that's where it was like, Hey, what if we just like go out to the desert and, you know, maybe we can trick the the record label into getting a house for <laughs> us, which we somehow did. And uh, we all just moved out of L.A. and moved out to Joshua Tree. And like we didn't even write anything for like six months. <laughs> like, I'll never forget like the label was like, hey, when can we hear stuff? I was like, we're working on stuff. So like, when can we hear it? I'm like, we didn't even like pick up an instrument. We were just like grilling, hanging out, shooting guns, just like, you know, getting into just like sort of like, I don't know. It was like a bonding experience for the first six months of just like trying to get back to uh, an earlier form of the band of just like having a good time together. And then that sort of eventually 
you know, you do enough mushrooms, a little bit of LSD, <laughs> you're out in the desert, new ideas start forming, new perspectives, a sense of feeling like you were off world, looking back at a world unraveling. Um, you know, it, it was, uh, it created, I think a little bit of a spacier album for us, but what I did is I put together like this big concept deck of like everything I wanted to write about in the album and sent that off to the label and they loved it. So that bought us more time instead of being like, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, what the hell are you guys doing out there? I sent them this thing and like, Oh, this is really cool. When can we hear it? And I'm like, good question. Um, but at least we bought some time there and, you know, had some really cool collaborations involved in this record with uh, Mick Gordon from yeah. um, obviously scored Doom Eternal, which, you know, we're a huge fan of. That was actually a piece of COVID serendipity, too, whereas I mentioned we ended up having to skip our Milan date, which gave us an extra day off in Frankfurt, Germany. Um, I know people that work at the Bethesda Gaming Works office in in in, in Frankfurt, and um, we ended up getting to play the the new Doom there before it came out. So we're hanging out. Um, one of the community managers, who's a friend of mine over there, really cool German girl, was like, "I was like, wouldn't it be really cool if we did something with Mick Gordon?" And she goes, "Well, I'll give you his email if you don't tell anyone that I oh. gave it to you." So nice. I store it my phone. Don't think twice about it. Fast forward to like you know. Five, six months later, we're out in the desert, grilling some steaks, drinking some whiskey, listening to some Mick Gordon stuff as a reference. And I go, oh, I actually have his email. I totally forgot about that from when we were in Germany. I go, should I just email this guy right now, like out of the blue and just see what happens? And I was like, why not? You know what I mean? Like, what's the worst <laughs> he's going to do? He's not going to respond. Maybe he does respond and says, hey, that's really cool. It's not really something I'm interested in doing. He responds back in like 15 minutes. I'm oh, like, wow. oh my God, like what a trip. So cool to see your name pop up in my uh, my inbox. I'm a huge fan. Would love to do something together. Um, and I think that's a lesson, kids. Shoot your shot. You never know what's going to happen. And uh, next thing you know, we're collaborating with uh, Mick Gordon as a sort of co-producer on the record, which, you know, obviously it was, it was not something we could do in person. He was in Australia. They were on heavy lockdown as well. So it was a lot of Zooming at strange hours, uh, <laughs> which everyone was sort of doing. But that was really cool. And it was awesome to collaborate with someone that you're such a huge fan of. And I think that guy's a genius in general, to be honest, you know. Yeah, I was, I was certainly going to get into the Mick Gordon and, and certainly the other uh, uh, guest appearance, if you will, Horror pitching in again on a tune. Yeah. I mean, those guys, we, we, we lived on a bus with them for a few months and, and toured in 2018 when we did some music. So we're like family already. And like when we were out there, uh, you know, living in this big house, we, everyone was having like a lot of FOMO. Cause like we were posting like that we were having this great time during, you know, <laughs> lockdown, we're out in the desert, you know, we're four wheeling, we're climbing, we're doing all this stuff that people are like, man, I'm just like stuck in my apartment and these guys are out there living it up. And, yeah, I almost felt a little bad sharing that because I got to be honest, I think I had one of the best times of my life that summer of lockdown. It was just so much fun out there, but I felt a little bad sharing it. But anyways, those guys, had, they hit us up and I was like, yo, just come out and, you know, stay with us for a bit. And we'll, we'll sort of like maybe like, you know, make some music together or whatever. That wasn't even really the goal. But we did. And we just like tracked some cool stuff. We, we actually tracked quite a few things as we were just like hanging out coming with some ideas and paralyzed was one of them that that felt like it should be on the record and again those guys are just so easy to work with and our workflow is always great and just like it happens quick um and you never know sometimes when you like put two different sort of like entities in a, in a studio it can it can just be tough but like those guys it's just it's easy you know and then who who was the one how many mushrooms deep were you before someone yelled out let's do a tears for fears cover 
that was funny. We had been playing with that idea for a while. Um, we just all loved that song. And I think it made it harder to cover because we liked the song so much. Um, it's such a good song that you don't want to do it a disservice. So you try and figure out ways to do your version of it. And when I say that we did six different versions of it. Oh, wow. That version, I'm not kidding. We tried it at every tempo, you know, different drum grooves. Like, you know, if you sing it this way, what if you do it that way? And it was tough, man. Like we almost just quit on it. And then finally we happened on one that we're like, I think this is, I think this works. Um, But yeah, it also just seemed fitting with, with where the state of the world was at the time to sort of reboot that and, and the message that comes along with that song. I love it, man, because you make it kind of dark and gloomy, but there's still that like brightness in there. There's still that melody that gives it that brightness. And it's such a great, the original and your version, such a like windows down driving song for. Yeah, and we pay homage to the original melody and like the bridge. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, we like, you know, we switched everything from like, you know, major to minor. Like we gave it a darkness. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like we want it. And that's sort of what we tend to do. Or you take a song that maybe has like menacing lyrics that like is an otherwise an otherwise bright song you know we did it with pumped up kicks but then when you sort of give it a darker context you end up like hearing how dark the lyrics actually are yeah i like that juxtaposition on it man yeah totally it was fun and now we've got the one show, the show, Uno, the Uno show. show coming up at the Terragram Ballroom downtown LA on the 29th. Any support bands or is it an evening with? No, no, it's definitely, we've got support. We've got, um, it's, it's very much so like a family affair of like, you know, Sean Beaven, who's who's a great mixer, you know, from and producer and, and collaborator from bands like Nine Inch Nails to, you know, Guns N' Roses to Slayer to Marilyn Manson. Um, he's mixed our, a lot of our records, including um, a, a bunch of this, you know, we had actually two different people mixing on this record, but, um, and his, he's got a great music project called Eight uh, Millimeter. So he will be opening up the show. Ah. Uh, also be front of house mixing our show which he's new front house, like nine and a snail in the nineties. He's the goat. He's awesome. Wow. Um, so having Sean who mixed our record doing front of house, that's not something we would generally have just because Sean's not going out on tour. Um, but to have that is going to be the best mix show ever. Uh, <laughs> for us, so that's exciting. And then after that, we've got um, Tim Scold, his project oh, yeah. Scold, you know, huge fan of Tim. He's a, he's a, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, we spend a lot of time on a shooting range together. He's a, he's a, he's an awesome guy. Um, and then uh, we've got a really cool project called straight razor, which is uh, a gentleman by the name of Omar doom, which you might remember if you've seen in glorious bastards, the, the gentleman who does the Dominic DeCoco, the sort of Italian gesture hands. So he's got a really cool sort of dark electronic music project and he'll be playing. And then of course us. So we've got uh, it's all the homies. Um, it's a big family affair. There's show is like 90 percent sold out so if you do have interest coming do not sleep on those tickets get them now uh they're probably going to go in the next week or so um as the show is what three weeks out or something like that and then or is this going to be like an album release party going to play the album or is it just going to be a normal show no it's a little you're going to get a little bit of everything you're you know you're going to get a lot of index but you know because we have the entire venue or now we're going to play an extended set we're going to play a little bit of every album nice um, but well, it will be, uh, in many ways, a return to form. We have not been on stage in two years. 
Um, you know, we, we went out with uh, cradle of filth and, and that tour got canceled in the middle because we all <laughs> actually got COVID that time. Uh, and then, you know, ever since that, we really just kind of hunkered down to finish up this record and have not been like in a huge rush to get back to it. Cause we want to do it right. We want to rebuild a, a better show and create a, a, a sort of better spectacle and sort of revamp some of the theater performance of what we do. And I think that people will, will have a great time. It's going to be an awesome show. Um, if you can make it, I would highly recommend going yeah no i'm looking forward to, to popping my cherry this is three plus oh, years yeah. in the making for oh, me yeah. to finally oh, yeah. see and and you know interestingly enough i remember when mike gitter first signed you guys and he was telling me about you and he was like no this is a real industrial metal band like and thank yeah, god no. for it being because it, it's been lacking for a long time so big fan and shout out to mike gitter for all the the sort of infinite support we've got from him you know i talked to that guy like uh you know he's my girlfriend i talked to him three times a week or something <laughs> <laughs> he's great. He's really helped us navigate a lot of stuff. And he's a person that, you know, one of those rare anomalies in the music industry that actually cares about culture and cares about bands. He's out at every show. He's just a real solid human. You know? Yeah. Love the guy. I love the guy. You know, speaking of shows and looking ahead, rad to see that you guys are going to be on Sick New World. Yeah, Coming no, up in the I mean, new year. us and every other band, apparently. Um, <laughs> I don't know how they're going to pull it all off in one day, but man, that's a hell of a lineup. Um, and I think that's super cool. And we're excited to be part of it. And, you know, I just love how that that sort of uh, aesthetic and, and sound is really sort of making a, a return to popularity, which is cool. Yeah, it's an interesting festival. I mean, it's it's like half new metal and half industrial. Yeah. And, no, and a little I mean, bit of both. They're, they're, there's a good sort of Venn diagram there of like, you know, sort of crossover between those sounds that have shared some aesthetic and shared some sort of sonic texture and stuff like that. So to me, it makes a ton of sense. When you play a bill like that, are, are you like circling the calendar and going, oh, I can't wait to see, you know, VNV Nation oh, or Frontline? Or absolutely. You know, to me, those those things are as much about like, you know, being a fan of all the other bands as well as like, you know, trying to bring up the best show as possible. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman, man, that dude is, uh, you know, just a wellspring of creativity. I don't think like anyone is uh, operating on that guy's level of genius to be totally uh, honest. You know, I love that he's out there making me or playing music again live. He's out there. He's out there and he's looking like, uh, I don't know. He's, he's very muscle bound. He's looking like he's in great shape. He's, you know, he's, he's definitely, a, he's doing it for sure. You know, that would be a hell of a cover three teeth doing a Boingo song. I mean, could you imagine dude? Ooh. That would be sick. I think we could do that. I think we could pull that off. No one lives forever. Or I don't, I don't know. Yeah. That'd we could be definitely sick. Pull that off. We'll put that in the back pocket. Yeah. Just plant that seed. You know, yeah. dude, uh, I could really use your help in, in debate, speaking of being music fans, because that's ultimately what we are. You're a music fan with what you do. I, I'm a music yeah. fan. So I need you to help me out on a little household music debate I got going on. Hmm. Me and my wife are debating. We're both big Nine Inch Nails fans. Who isn't, right? But we're debating hmm. the best album. Album one, Pretty Hate Machine versus album two, the downward spiral. If you had to pick out of those two, which one would be your numero uno? It, I mean, that's such a that's such a tough thing to decide on um, in terms of what had the more impact on me. Because one is more synth pop. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you're gonna get if you're into a little bit more of like a synth pop sort of like dark industrial record, but then you have like this like really intense sort of like nihilistic dark <laughs> thing that happened in Downward Spiral that had a. a 
a much greater effect on me and my influence. So I have to go with downward spiral, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know. I hate to have to decide there, but um, you know, that guy is just so prolific. Um, we oftentimes find ourselves writing in the studio where you come up with a cool line or someone's like, Oh, check this out. And we're like, that's so cool. And then we listen to it and you're like, Oh, that's cause it's like a nine inch nails thing. Never mind, We can't do that. But it's like to try and navigate around the fact that that guy's done everything and everything you kind of go, Oh damn, like he took all the cool stuff. Um, <laughs> first. So yeah. Um, shout out to Trent Reznor for just being the goat, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. Uh, downward spiral, and, and certainly you have to give, you have to look at the time frame. I mean, '88 versus '94. There was certainly more technology for him to play with by the time the second album came out. But I just felt like the second album was much more of a complete story. It felt like a, a soundtrack almost to a movie. It was very cinematic, and there were ebbs and flows and ups and downs, and brutally heavy for like the mid '90s when guitar wasn't cool. Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, you know, it's funny because I think. I think the broken EP is arguably more pissed than either of those. Of course, of if, course. If you listen to like, if you listen to like that song last on like, you know, that EP, like that's, that's an angry guy. <laughs> and like that dude is pissed. For um, sure. And learn some of the story that surrounds that stuff. So yeah, I love very angry Trent. You know? <laughs> Need him to get back to being a little bit angry or if he could. Yeah. I mean, he's got a pretty sweet life, so it's tough <laughs> to be angry when everything's going so good, but he put in the good angry years that we can all still enjoy. <laughs> Just to put a button on nine inch nails. Do you have a favorite nine inch nail song we could play for you? I'm going to go ahead and say last to me. Like that has to be, you know, a huge inspiration for what we did song some of the the really simple just like kick boom drum patterns in it it's just like to me there is no fat on that song no and and you're right about the ep i mean the ep is the greatest of all time but talking albums i mean what is it four five six songs on the ep so taking albums into consideration yeah album cohesive sort of bodies of work i think you know downward spiral the fragile like they're just you know chef's kiss they're just perfect <laughs> yeah. Dude, one other band I got to hit you up about because we're an old school radio station. We do a feature every night called Mandatory Metallica that you're going to be a part of. Imagine yeah. you're a Metallica fan. Of course. How are you not a Metallica okay. fan? Okay. Like, I mean, like, well, I grew up in the 90s. Like, I, I drive around in my truck. I still listen to Ride the Lightning. You know what I mean? Like, the, the early Metallica albums for me are some of the best just pound for pound metal songs ever written. Okay, so then then one more album debate, same thing, Gr debating the greatest Metallic album, and it's come down to Ride the Lightning versus Master of Puppets. I like Ride the Lightning better. Um, Ooh. Ooh. Um, just because I had that cassette first. It was a white cassette. I remember it perfectly. It was something that for me, like, had a profound effect on my little child brain at the time. So I just think for me, it's like, it's more comfort food. Um, obviously masters an amazing record. Um, but I think some of the rawness, uh, of the vocals, like, I think the vocals were just seething on that record. They had this like really cool sort of like mid range high, just sort of like snarl to it that I love, you know? Yeah, I'm with you. I think I, I think it's definitely more dirtier. Almost sounds like it's recording in the bathroom or something. Totally, totally. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, I lean a little bit more master because the same thing. It's a little bit more of a complete sound spectrum. You got Orion. You got battery. You know, Wait, was Cliff on? Was Cliff on Master? Yeah, that's his last album. I mean, Orion is his baby, man. That whole oh, instrumental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's phenomenal. I mean, they're they're. It's like just to side with one of those is really tough. You know. <laughs> That's also, I got to be honest, I think I like the album art better 
for Ride the Lightning. Ah, uh, yeah. You know what? When I bring up that question, someone recently brought that up. If you had to go album art, yeah, I'd yeah. go Ride the Lightning. But yeah, I think it's 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 iconic. Not that Master isn't, but like you know, I just feel like it was just it's just super cool to me. You know? <laughs> and then lastly, name a Metallica song for us to play for you on Mandatory Metallica. Fight fire with fire. Love it, man. We'll rock that the opening track of uh, Ride the Lightning. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Dope, man. Beautiful, man. Thank you so much for the time. Glad to finally get to talk to you three plus years in the making and can't wait for the show uh, later on this month. Hell yeah, brother. Appreciate the airtime today. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety, available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming on live at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.